Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. Belief in Mashiach, the Messianic age ushered in by a great Jewish leader, is a very recurrent theme in Judaism. First of all, it's mentioned explicitly in the five books of Moses, the most important source of Jewish knowledge. It's mentioned explicitly numerous times in the prophetic writings. Our prayers are replete with references to Mashiach. And when I say Mashiach, I'm referring to not just the person, the Mashiach, the one who ushers in this age, but the entire subject, the Mashiach himself, the age that he ushers in, the rebuilding of the third temple, the resurrection of the dead. This belief is so much a part of Jewish life. Our prayers are replete with over 20,000 references in the course of a year that we make to Mashiach and the Messianic age. And so much of our culture, so much of our traditions revolve around that belief. People went to their deaths with the words of animamin, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Mashiach. This is something that Jews have always believed in, despite the way the topic had become altered by other religions, and Jews are somehow reticent to adopt something that they think comes from an outside source. The truth of the matter is, it is a patently Jewish belief that was taken over by other religions and adapted to their preferences. But not only is Mashiach an important part, an integral part of Judaism, Maimonides, the great rationalist, explains that there are 13 principles of faith. There are 13 things that a Jew must believe in, and one of them, the 12th, is the belief in Mashiach. Now, what I'd like to discuss today is the concept of a principle of faith and why the belief in Mashiach is a principle in faith. So let's first discuss what we mean by a principle of faith. There were some of Maimonides' critics who said, why do you isolate 13 things to believe in? We believe in the Torah. The Torah is God speaking to us, and everything that's in the Torah we believe in. If the Torah says that Noah Noah was sent to build an ark to save the world, we believe it. You don't need to refer to it as a principle of faith. We believe in every detail. If it says the ark was 300 cubits long, we believe that. No problem, because it's part of the Torah. So is Mashiach part of Torah. And so are all the other total of 13 principles that Maimonides isolates. They are part of the Torah. So why do we distinguish between every detail and every aspect of Torah and the 13 principles of faith. And the explanation is that a principle of faith is more than just something that we believe in because it's true and it's in the Torah. That is certainly true and accurate. But a principle of faith is like a foundation. You build a structure, and the structure has a foundation. Now, if the question is asked, What's the difference between a foundation and a structure? The answer is quite simple. The foundation is there to give stability to the structure. 
If you don't have a foundation, what will happen with a building? It'll collapse eventually. So this foundation is crucial and indispensable for the structure itself. But nobody in their right mind would go ahead and build a foundation and stop there. The foundation without the structure has no purpose. You build a foundation in order to make sure the structure will last, will be strong. Same thing is true with Judaism. Judaism has 613 commandments, 613 biblical commandments. They are the structure of Judaism. But in order for the structure to really be solid, it needs a solid foundation. What is the foundation of Judaism? Our belief system. See, there's a myth that Judaism doesn't focus on faith, it focuses on action. And there's a kernel of truth to that myth because it says in the Mishnah, one of the classical sources of Jewish knowledge, the deed is the essential thing. Because if you have a foundation, but you don't have the structure, what's the point? Or to use another analogy, if you have the roots of a tree, but there's no trunk and there are no branches, there are no leaves and there's no fruit, then what's the point of the tree? The whole purpose of the roots is to produce a tree. So in Judaism, we therefore put so much of an emphasis on action because that's what validates the foundation. If a person acts on what he or she believes in, then that faith is what keeps the action alive. So having that understanding of what a foundation or a principle of faith is, Maimonides therefore came to the conclusion that there are 13 things that without which, if we eliminate those 13 things, we don't have a religion. The structure will just fall apart. So let's say someone who uh, puts on tefillin, keeps the Shabbat, wonderful, but doesn't believe, let's take the first principle of faith, in the existence of a God. Well, what kind of religion is that? Judaism falls apart. The, the, the commandments that he or she performs have no real substance, have no real meaning. Why would you put on tefillin if you don't believe in the commander of the tefillin? And we can go through every mitzvah, every commandment, that it has validity only when it's based on a foundation of a belief in God or the belief in one God, for that matter. If that falls away, then the rest of Judaism loses its meaning. It's fundamental to, the Ju to Judaism. On the other hand, let's say there's a belief that there are angels, because the Torah talks about angels repeatedly, especially in the book of Genesis. So we believe that angels exist, but if you didn't believe it, that angels exist, that would be against the Torah, but it wouldn't undermine the stability of Judaism. The whole structure wouldn't collapse. You can imagine a Judaism without angels. The fact is that there are angels. You can imagine a Judaism without the belief, let's say, in the seven heavens that are mentioned in the Talmud, but you have to believe in those seven heavens because they're mentioned in Torah texts, but they're not a fundamental part of Judaism. Thirteen principles of faith are. So here's where the question arises. This was a long-winded introduction to the question. And that is a question that is raised by many. Why does Maimonides consider the belief in Mashiach to be a fundamental belief? Why is it so foundational? Why does Judaism collapse, as it were, if one did not have the belief in the Mashiach? 
you could have a beautiful world with all of the practices of Judaism, very vibrant, alive, and performed by every Jew, and there's no Messianic age to take over. Why would Judaism suffer? It would be a a great loss because the Messianic age, after all, is an age of peace, of universal peace, and many other great things, but it wouldn't undermine my Judaism, you would argue, and many people make that argument. So while everyone agrees that we must believe in the Messianic age because it's mentioned in the Torah, it's not fundamental. To give you another illustration, if the Torah would say that if you do X, Y, Z, you will get this and this reward. God will reward you with wealth. Why is the belief in the reward of wealth so crucial, imperative for appreciating the things that you're supposed to do because you were commanded by God? The reward is is secondary, a tertiary to the actual thing that we believe in. So here is the question that we have to tackle. Why is belief in Mashiach so fundamental to Judaism? And there are many different approaches. I'm going to go through several of the approaches today, and we'll leave the rest for the next class in this series on the subject of Mashiach and redemption. There's a belief, and the belief has validity, but it's an incomplete belief, that Mashiach, or the Messianic age, will be an age of universal peace, It'll be an age when God's presence will be felt by everyone. It'll be an age when we will not suffer from hunger, from illness, from war and hatred. This is wonderful. But it's viewed as a reward. That's the conventional way of understanding the Messianic age. We will come to see that the Messianic age is much more than that. But first, let me share with you three of the answers given by the great philosopher and Bible commentator, the Abarbanel, who was alive at the time of the expulsion of the Jews from Spain in 1492. Abarbanel wrote a special book called Rosh Amana, which is a defense and a critique of Maimonides' 13 Principles of Faith. So he is one of those who was responding to the challenge, why is belief in Mashiach so fundamental? And he gives three reasons. And I'll list them in order, I think, of their compelling nature. The first reason that I'm going to mention is the one that Mashiach is mentioned in the Torah repeatedly. In the five books of Moses, it's mentioned explicitly in the last part of the five books of Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, where God says, after he threatens to throw us out of the land of Israel because of our sins. He will return us, restore us, and bring us back. And it's hinted in many other places. And in the books of the prophets, it's filled with it. The entire body of prophetic literature is is filled with references to the Mashiach and the Messianic age. So that proves that it's fundamental to Judaism. This explanation itself needs clarification because the question is just transferred. Why does the Torah put such a great emphasis on Mashiach? Yes, that proves and supports Maimonides' contention that it's a fundamental principle because otherwise why would the Torah repeat it over and over again? But the question remains. Why does the Torah consider it to be so fundamental? So we'll go to the second answer. 
that my, our Barbanel gives. And that is that one of the principles of faith before the belief in the Mashiach is that God holds us accountable and therefore he rewards us for the good that we do and he punishes us for the sins that we commit. That is one of the principles of faith. And that we can understand why it's fundamental to Judaism because if you have a religion that tells you what to do, how to live your life, and you're not held accountable, God doesn't care what you do, good or bad, it undermines the whole value of Judaism. So be that as it may, that's one of the principles of faith. Belief in Mashiach is an extension of that belief because the Messianic age is, is, as I mentioned before, a time when we will be rewarded for all the good that we did before. So it reinforces the belief in reward and punishment. And then there's a third explanation, which I think Barbanel mentions as a second explanation. But the third one is the most compelling. And that is that without the belief in Mashiach, all of God's providence, his sense of justice, his sense of righteousness, and his very existence is called into question. If we look at the world and we see the suffering in this world and we see how good people suffered and conversely evil people prospered, it awakens within us the very powerful and compelling question, why is it? It's a question that was asked by Moses. It was asked by virtually every great person, Job, of course, the whole book of Job, and of every thinking person to this day. Why is there so much suffering in this world, good people suffering? And this question has never been answered adequately because the human mind cannot grasp why it is that people have suffered so much. Why God, who is in control of this world, allows that to happen, and even more than allows it to happen, facilitates it, because without God, things couldn't happen the way they happen. That's the compelling question that calls into question God's very sense of righteousness. God is just and righteous, kind, compassionate, and yet we have all this suffering in this world. That will never be answered fully until Mashiach comes. Then, the prophet tells us, we will then even thank God for the anger that he displayed towards me, towards us. We will then understand God will make it possible for the human mind to grasp that which is incomprehensible to us today. The Rebbe, in a letter that he wrote to the president of Israel, when he was responding to a criticism that he did not mention the Hebrew word for president, nasi, he mentioned the word president. And the Rebbe explained that from the age that he went to Cheder, when he went to school, about three years old, and even before that, he always imagined an age in which we will be able to understand the pain and the suffering, which we cannot fathom today. In other words, the Rebbe is telling us that the Messianic age will respond to the question. Finally, it will lay to rest the question that is on the minds of every decent human being, of every thinking, sentient being. Why is there suffering in this world? The Rebbe, on another occasion, spoke very dramatically, crying as he was speaking, and asked the question, why can't God tell us the reason right now? Let us understand suffering now. 
Why do we have to wait until the Messianic age? And the Rebbe answered, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, that if we would understand suffering today, it wouldn't bother us as much. We would have ways of making peace with it. We would be able to digest it, and we wouldn't do everything in our power to fight it. In other words, here's the paradox. On one hand, God has a reason for everything, including the suffering and pain. On the other hand, God says, as long as there's suffering and pain, you fight it, you try to prevent it, you do everything in your power to resist it, and if you can't resist it, you cry because of it. If we had the answer now, we wouldn't have that ability. We would somehow be able to absorb and swallow the suffering and pain in the world. Someone once gave a good analogy. You're walking down a hospital corridor, and you're hearing excruciating pain emitted by patients who are crying very, very loud, and it really bothers you. It really eats you up. And then you walk down another corridor in the hospital and you hear the same sounds, and it doesn't bother you as much because the second corridor is the maternity ward, and you know that the woman who's crying, who's screaming, is soon going to have a beautiful little baby and bring joy to her life and to the world. So if we understand somehow we're able to process suffering, it doesn't bother us as much. And God wants it to bother us, so we fight it, we resist it, and we do everything in our power to not make peace with it. So therefore, the Messianic age will finally bring justice to those people who didn't have it today, suffer today. They will be rewarded. They will be restored to their original position. Those people who suffered, we think, needlessly, we will understand why there was that suffering. So the entire Messianic age will somehow justify everything that God did in the past and will answer our questions and the challenges to God's righteousness, to God's sense of justice, and to his very existence. So right now, there's one part of us that can't embrace God. That's our mind. Our hearts can embrace God. Our hands can embrace God by doing good things with our hands. Every part of us, but there's one part that can't. That's the part of logic, of understanding. It's unfathomable to us. So God's very existence will be made complete in the Messianic age. And that's why it's so fundamental to Judaism, because without God's existence being legitimized and validated, then we have a big problem with all of Judaism. So those are three explanations given by Abarbanel, and of course I amplified and elucidated the third one. But then there's a halachic, a legalistic explanation why belief in Mashiach is fundamental to Judaism. And it's based on the Rebbe's analysis of Maimonides' writings. Maimonides writes in his great code, known as the Mishnah Torah, and I'll quote his words. In future time, the king Mashiach, and we won't go into why he's called a king, what it means to be a king, because nowadays kings are not that popular. But this king, let's, let's just read the word king as a leader. The leader, Mashiach, will arise and renew the Davidic dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty, he will rebuild the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, and gather in the dispersed remnant of Israel, bring all the Jews to Israel. 
Then, in his days, all of the commandments will be reinstituted, reinstituted as in former times. Sacrifices will be offered, and the sabbatical and jubilee years will be observed according to all their particulars as commanded in the Torah. What is Maimonides saying over here? That Mashiach is the ultimate implementer of all of Judaism in our lives today. We do not have the ability to observe all of the commandments. Torah and its commandments today are incomplete. Why is that? It's not that the Torah is incomplete, but our ability to practice and follow the Torah is incomplete. And that can be understood on several levels. Number one, in terms of the quantity of commandments that we have today, because we do not have the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, there are so many commandments, hundreds of the 613, that are no longer in effect because we do not have the temple and we can't bring sacrifices and all the other things associated with the temple. Of the 248 commandments, the ones that we're supposed to do, the prescriptive ones, only 87 are still possible to observe today. The majority of the commandments do not have the ability to be implemented today. So much of Judaism is not practical today. That means there's something lacking in the integrity of the Torah when it can't be implemented. That's in terms of the quantity of commandments. Then, in terms of the quality, because we are living in exile, even in the best of conditions, we have distractions, we have all sorts of impediments, and sometimes, tragically, we had persecution that didn't allow us to practice our religion or to study Torah. We didn't have the joy of Judaism the way we're supposed to. So something was lacking qualitatively. And actually, you can divide it up into three categories. Number one, when we're talking about the breadth of Judaism, Judaism is a very broad religion. It encompasses every aspect of life. But much of Jewish practice has not been possible to maintain because of the conditions that are lacking today. The laws, for example, of the Jubilee year. Every 50 years, there's a special year with special commandments associated with it. We can't practice that today because you need most of the Jews living in Israel. And several other commandments, likewise, require all the Jews living in Israel. So it's the breadth of Judaism that suffers in exile before the Messianic age. Also, the length of Judaism, length meaning extending it to others, you know, there are 15, 16 million Jews. Most of the Jewish people, tragically, are not aware of many of the observances of Judaism. It's only a minority that are observant. That means that much of Judaism, not to, to any fault of their own, we're not judging anyone. This is because of ge generations of benign neglect, of lack of... Uh, of accessibility, whatever the reasons may be, right now, Judaism, the commandments, the Torah, has not reached down to everyone and gets lost in the next generation. The length of Judaism is incomplete. And the third one is the depth. The depth of Judaism is certainly lacking. There's so much more to the Torah that we could not absorb and appreciate today that will be revealed in the Messianic age. So, in short, the 
whole purpose of the Messianic age is not limited to universal peace, as wonderful as that will be, there's no question about it, will be the elimination of illness, the elimination of famine, the elimination of war, of hatred, as Maimonides describes the many virtues of the Messianic age. But that's not the ultimate. The ultimate is that then Judaism will be intact. The integrity of God's Torah and his commandments will be complete, will be unassailable. And that's why it's a fundamental principle of Judaism, because without the belief in the Mashiach, without the Messianic era, Judaism will always remain ineffective in terms of what it's supposed to do. If you hire someone for a job and they only do a half-baked job, you may not want to pay that person. There's something lacking over there. Torah, in order for it to be complete, requires the coming of the Mashiach and the Messianic age. Let us hope and pray that we see the coming of Mashiach imminently. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.